expert.com with our weekly probate weekly, I should say, our, with our uh, Zoomcast, probateweekly.com. Every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, we live stream it, stream it on YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, and if you're there, you can uh, comment if it's live and we'll uh, be able to respond to your comments live. If you're on the Zoom, of course, you can put them in the chat or you can unmute yourself when appropriate. Our goal here is to be participative uh, and, to, and to teach. We have people who are brand new wanting to learn about probate. Uh, we also have practitioners who are in the hunt every day, uh, like I am and like our guest today, Tani, is, who want to you know, learn more tricks, learn best practices, share ideas, and work together. So we do this everywhere from brand new investors to experience, brand new realtors to experience, and wholesalers as well. Love to have you guys participate and be successful. So normally I do a little bit of content today, but I have a feeling today we're going to have a rich uh, time to spend with a friend of mine. Uh, Tanya English is a Navy veteran. Thank you for your service. Um, she is a mucky muck in a bunch of organizations. She's uh, you're with the Greater LA Association of Realtors, our local, formerly BHGLAR, now GLAR. Your what's your position with GLAR, Tanya? I'm treasurer for this year and next year. Got it. Thank you. I and the regional paid, chair of Beverly Hills next year. I just paid my dues, by the way. So thank you for. I got the invoice, paid it, worked out very nicely. Thank you. Good job. Then, Good member. <laughs> and then you're also on the something in the CAR, California Association of Realtors. You're what, a delegate a, or something? I'm a state director for CAR. I'm serving as a chair of communication advisory, and I'm on strategic planning next year. And then in addition to that, you're also on Women's Council, which is an NAR-affiliated group, I think, if I know it correctly. Yes, it is. I'm the president of the Los Angeles Beverly Hills Network. And it's, uh, yeah, it is an NAR affiliate and CER affiliate. So this is a lady with more business cards you can imagine. She also is a um, CPA, I think, or accountant by background, a trade originally. Yes, sir. And uh, most important, of all, and, a, and a devoted daughter to a mother, the two of them together, if you watch them on uh, social media, they are quite the stylish pair. I think mom, I hate to say it, but I think mom steals all the eyeballs from you when you pose like that. Yeah, yeah. She wears more jewelry and more accessories. <laughs> I'm, I'm too lazy. <laughs> and she also sells real estate under the flag Alliance Real Estate as a broker through EXP Realty. And she's most importantly to me, she's also a fellow USC Trojan, fight on. So thank you for all that. Thank you for your service in, throughout all the real estate organization. and. But most importantly today, what, the reason I brought her on is in addition to all that, or I should say the focus, all that is supports her business and she has kind of a unique role. Whereas my business is almost all in probate. I do some trust work because there's a little bit of overlap. Tanya really focuses on trust real estate and some of those distinctions. She's developed some unique ways to generate business as well as she's also a fiduciary. So she gets uh, hired and or selected by estates and by attorneys to represent them. So really, I have a unique opportunity. And I literally had somebody today ask me about that position. I said, well, hey, I'm actually interviewing a lady who does that today. So tune in to the live stream. So Tanya, thanks so much for being on our call today. Well, thank you for having me. So, and by so, the way, he's the one who got me into EXP. He recruited okay. me. <laughs> okay, blame me. <laughs> because you know it is, and I just say, I am not, you are the only person I called to join the company. You're the only one. I have other people join my downline. Really, because I just wanted to work with you. I just found what you do fascinating. I, I, I think you set a really high standard and a high bar of professionalism, which I think is lacking in real estate in general, lacking in probate specifically. And I just said, I want to work with this lady. I don't know how to do it. And this just came to me as a way to do that. So I'm really excited to have you on our team. Thank you, Tony. Likewise. 
So give us just a little background where you grew up and then how you got into real estate and then how you got into trust real estate. Okay, I'm a California native. I was raised in the Valley, so, but my parents were from Louisiana. So I have a Southern accent meets the Valley girl accent. <laughs> um, I used to run a CPA firm. And during that time, we would tell a lot of our clients to invest in real estate, to fund their pension plans, to, you know, um, house their businesses, to pay for their kids. Instead of having their kids go pay for dorms, we would buy building, you know, buy apartments and condos or houses for their kids while they're in college. And so when I saw that I was leaving money on the table, I decided to get into real estate. But I got in originally as a loan officer, then short sale queen, and now trust and probate. <laughs> got it. Now, um, in some ways we do similar things, but it's also kind of like a, you're kind of like a parallel angle or a perpendicular angle to what I do. Uh, literally today I'm writing an offer with one of my investors on a listing that you represent the estate on where you're not just a listing agent, but you're also the fiduciary. Can you explain for who would not know, what is a fiduciary and then what is your role in that? Okay, so I'm a professional fiduciary. It is a license you get from California. It's a relative new license, it's been around for I don't know, under 10 years. And it allows you, that professional fiduciary license allows you to um, be either the administrator of the state or personal representative of a state when it's probate without a will. Also it allows you, if you wanted to be a conservator, um, you know, a trustee, which I don't do. I always tell people that I work with dead people. My clients tend to be already passed away. <laughs> I know, bad joke, but you know, that's what I say. So I don't do um, conservatorship with the license. What I do is um, mostly serve as the PR, the per personal representative or the administrator, executor or the successor trustee. Because so I do have clients, um, attorney, estate planning attorneys will call me and say that a particular parent don't trust their kids with the state. So they'll write me in to be the successor trustee when they pass away. So I do do trust administration. And that comes back more because I um, was a, you know, ran an accounting firm and did a lot of business management and trust administration. So that's where it comes from there. But mainly I do serve more as a personal representative for the probate, which is what, you know, Bill's talking about is that for like this next listing as a personal representative, I get to be the seller of the, the listing and if there's not um, any issues I'll also be i'm also the listing agent so i serve as both when it comes to probate or trust sales do you see doing both uh as a way to make some money for your time and maybe lower your fee to the estate or is it that you trust yourself more than you do uh, another listing agent or just easier for you to work with yourself i would think that that's part of it right it's just easier to be the agent than it is to work with an agent right well, what sometimes happens is um, if I like in this particular case, sometimes I will waive my PR fee because a personal rep actually gets paid the same amount of money as a probate attorney does. Now, hold on a, one second. Say that one more time, because that's a big point here that theoretically a go ahead. Personal representative mm -hmm. is our fee is the same amount as the probate attorney's fee. Mm -hmm. OK, and so. You know, in this case here, only time that I would do both sides from being the PR and also the listing agent is when I waive my PR fee, I waive a huge percentage of it because I'm going to give it to a probate attorney because there's not enough money in the state. Or in this case, I have two probate attorneys involved and only because, two, you know, two siblings are fighting and things like that, which is why they have me as a PR, as a, the unbiased third party. 
And so in that case here, in order for both attorneys to get paid, I get, you know, I waive my PR fee in that particular case. So that's why I'm serving really as a listing agent. And I get a small fee to take care of all the county things that's going to be needed to close the state out. But yeah, that's the times when I would serve as both and when I have to waive the fee or reduce the fee a little bit. So as a buyer's agent, looking at a property listed by you where you're the listing agent, but also the fiduciary, how should I look at it? Or do I look at it any differently than any other listing? No, because I put it on there that I am the seller. Just like you would say, the seller has a real estate license or related to the, um, related to the, um, the seller. That's what I put on there that I work as both. And I like it, by the way, because you know, I don't know if a lot of you work with probate or trust and everything. It's kind of cool when you get to pick you, the seller, and you get to pick the offers and not have, you know, I don't know if you guys experience this or not. I know I have where you're the listing agent on probate and then a family member would say, oh, my best friend wants to buy it and I want them to buy it at a really low price. Well, as the PR, that's the extra seller, I can stop all that and make sure I am selling at the highest and best use price. You know, because you have a lot of out-of-state, you know, family members and, and you have, um, yeah, just out-of-state family members that don't know this real estate market. And this makes things nice and smooth when you actually assign as the PR of the state. Now, and I have I the final say, I sign everything. <laughs> so I would think that, um, that more likely than not, you're getting involved as a fiduciary when there is some conflict, meaning attorneys bring you in because they need you to act where the, the family can't. Oftentimes, I would think that's because there's two or more conflicting errors. Is that the most common case? Yes. So yeah, I, I tend to come on board is either the, um, the family members are not local or when you have you know, a bunch of siblings that are, you know, are in conflict or fighting, things like that, they're bringing on board. And that's because of my real estate background and my accounting background. And then what I do is I'm very transparent. I submit all offers in, even when I get, because um, I have a lot of investors, and then some of my probates are teardowns tear and things like that. So I do put them on the market, you know, because I did, you know, have an NER approved ethics course. <laughs> so I do make sure that, you know, I do show all offers. To my to both I showed to both probate attorneys. I said these are all the offers that came in. You know, here's the ones I'm representing, and these are the ones represented by you know other buyers agents. You know, and and in most of the case, some my buyer tends to be paid more. Not in this particular listing that's coming up right now. I have buyer agents that's coming in a higher amount, so we will be accepting that offer. But I do make sure I'm very transparent in everything and. Um, when I do dual agencies and stuff like that, it, I am very transparent. I make sure all the offers are presented to the probate attorneys. Do you find sometimes um, as an agent that you deal with other fiduciaries who are not as transparent? Oh yeah. I mean, actually um, the course I created for NER and that's NER approved of course, is called um, the people's, it's called the real estate court, the people's court for agents. And one of the cases we reenacted was dual agency, where you will have realtors because they want to double in it. They did not submit the highest offer to their seller. Right. You know, so that, you know, that happens quite a bit. I have I calls I'm getting right now pretty much every day since I put this list in a market. Oh, yeah, I pay your bonus on the side. If you take this offer and things like that. I'm like, no, it's not worth it. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, I've done business all over Southern California. I grew up in Orange County. I worked in the Inland Empire. And I moved here about 25 years ago. This is the only market where I would be offered bonuses on the side. And I, I thought, you just offered me a bribe and you're on the telephone. Like, are you trying to get me arrested? Is this just a trick? What? And people throw that out like it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Uh, and it, to me, it was always an insult. Like, you're saying I'm going to sell out my integrity for whatever amount of money you're offering. It just seems cheap to, to, to be like that. But I guess people must go for it from, from time to time, right? It must well, they have to, because I get offered that like every day since Saturday. I get, I've been, you know, pretty much every day I've been offered that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think the market's also changed. Like when I started to now, you know, every listing, everybody sees all of them. And so the competition's more intense versus in the days when I started, you had like a book and the book got updated every other week, basically. Uh, now everything is so transparent. I feel like, um, you know, that there are people who look for an advantage, uh, but you don't want your advantage to be cheating or, or bribing somebody. That seems to be a very thin way to, um, to be successful. So we've got a couple of questions here, if I could uh, go down here. Uh, Chris Wilson says, what made you want to become a fiduciary, especially in California? That's an interesting question, Chris. Uh, uh, Tony, what, how did you end up being a fiduciary? What was it about that, that was of interest to you? Huh. I went to, I don't know if you guys know Paul Horn, but he's like one of the top probate attorneys here. And he actually created a course, a certified um, for California Associated Realtors, a certified, um, a certification, trust and probate certification. And I was at one of his classes and when he was teaching about probate, you know, how to get listings from probate, then I realized that, you know, in some cases, by, by the time that the probate is, you know, is in process and is filed with the court, that person already has a realtor. Right. And when he said that a PR gets paid the same amount as an attorney, I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> You might as well become the PR, you know, go that route and get, you know, beat PR business from the probate attorneys and you can get the listing that way too. Yeah. Now that said, getting those listings as the PR requires kind of knowing where to go. So you're, you've established, I would think, relations with attorneys that are based on time and experience. You just can't, you know, buy leads on Facebook for attorneys to refer you to this business. This is something really you earned. Yeah, because I, you know, that's what I, you know, started looking at the numbers and yeah, they, t they already have listing agents already. Right. So that was my workaround. <laughs> Very good. Rama asked a question. I think I know the answer. Is it like a FISBO? The answer is it's yes or no. You, you list the property or you don't. In most cases, though, I would say you're listing these properties because you really have to as part of your fiduciary responsibility, correct? Yes, I can list it as a FISBO. This answer question, yes, I can do that since I am the seller on it. But no, I do tend to be, I do tend to put on the MLS. Okay. Why um, most of the listings. And why is that? I it's transparency. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to show proof, you know, that I did every possible thing to market this property and get the highest, best price for it. Right. Right. You know, it's fascinating to me how many attorneys don't know those rule the rules are required. And here you're doing this uh um, naturally, but you know, there are times in probate court that they'll be, uh, I just, I'm, I've been trying to reach this one attorney in, in a, a case where they're trying to sell it with court approval, not advertising it and not listing it. And I just said, the probate attorney is not going to approve your, your petition. The judge is going to approve your petition. And of course, today the notes came out and it's being denied uh, because they didn't um, do the work. So 
uh, while it's maybe an extra step or two, it is one that provides you with uh, transparency. You can say to your client, yeah, I tried to get you top dollar and here's what we did, including listing the property, right? Right. right. And also um, too, by the way, I tend to, all my listings has always been full court approval. I mean, I don't, I'm full, uh, full authority. I never had to get knock on wood, never had to get um, court confirmation. Yeah, that's a tough process. I mean, it's not fun. And, and, and I think it really costs the estate a lot of money when they go that route. I've seen attorneys say, I recommend court approval because it protects the um, petitioner, the executor administrator from claims of selling it short. I, that might be, but man, you're going to pay for it with attorney's fees and filing fees and delays and just a nightmare, I would think. Yeah, so attorneys like it when, you know, it, you tend to get, I tend to get full authority because of my background. And so and that's kind of the part, part of the pitch that the attorneys use to convince the clients to use me as a PR. It's because of my background, more often than not, I would get full authority and we can avoid, you know, court confirmation. Got it. Got a question from Chris Wilson, which is, do you find a lot of multi-units multi that become available in probate? Yes, because it turns out there's a lot of people who believe that a will is enough to avoid probate. And it's not, not in California. You need to put it in a trust. So yes, you do find multifamily. I mean, there's one probate that's been going on for four years. He had laundry mats, multifamily units, commercial, buildings, land, everything. And it's going through probate. You got Prince and Aretha Franklin, all their stuff going into probate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, with all the attorneys they hired and spent money on, it's just a shame. Uh, Prince and Aretha Franklin is, I think Michael Jackson also is probate. I don't think he's Yeah. Yeah. Because they just, they seem money. to think a will is enough. Yeah. It's just all that money and the legacy they could have left that gets chewed up by these attorneys and court costs and delays and it's just crazy. Um, so let's see. Uh, um, one question Goodwin asks is, how do we get into the list of possible buyers of assets, such as your properties or notes? I'm sorry? Goodwin is an investor and he's asking, how can he get onto a list of possible buyers of assets you might be selling? I have people email me. And so go. what I do, I have people email me and I have an investor list, right? And so when I first get a property, I do send it out to all the investors I have on there, especially when it's a teardown though. I tend to do that when there are teardowns or you know fixers or things like that, or multi-units. So I send it out to them before I put it on the market. They tend to get it three or four days before because I haven't did pictures or anything like that yet. And I tell them, give me the highest and best offer. And I do send them, you know, initial pictures that I taken before I have my professional photographer. I send the prelim, I give them the beginning number and I treat it like a silent, I treat it like an auction. But I do tell them that I do have to hold at least one open house and I won't review offers a day after. So they have a whole week to, you know, do the due diligence and stuff like that to check out what would be the permits and zonings and things like that. So they do, they do get a few days before I put on the market investors and you have one for example coming up where you have open house on sunday right and then you accept offers by i know earlier than monday so any investors gonna buy it and it's a teardown in that case they can show up on sunday and decide if they want to go forward or not but then boom the offers are due and you're moving forward at that point yeah the people are submitting the offers in already so it's just this is just gonna be you know just seeing the property in person because i do mm -hmm. provide 3d virtual tours and all the photos and stuff like that mm -hmm. but 
yep, I have a role. I have the lease hold one open house. Please come see it, you know, physically. And then next day I'll accept the offers. Nice. Do you hold the open house yourself or do you have an agent do it for you? Or how do you manage that? It depends. This one I'm doing myself because it's a, it, yeah, it's a Labor Day weekend. So I couldn't get anyone to do it. I might pop by and say hi. Be oh, careful. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so someone wanted to uh, get on your list of investors. What's the best email they should contact you at? I will be putting it in the chat box. Great. Um, my info. Great. And then we'll put that, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, we'll put it there as well down the road. And I'll read it out loud. So um, PR stands for personal representative, correct? Yes. So explain, it does. It, it, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, PR stands for personal representative and um, personal representative. And that is, uh, that's when it's a pure probate. There's no will, there's nothing like that. Then the next one on there is administrator. And that's when there is a will administrator and the, our executor. And then you have just trustee, you know, uh, successor trustee when there's actual trust. And that doesn't go through probate. Those are nice and clean. So as the so as the fiduciary, you could be the uh, administrator, executor, or the successor trustee. Just depends right. on what kind of case it is, and they're bringing you right. into that case at that point. Got Correct. It. Okay. Um, uh, so let's see. Somebody said Frank says he thinks Prince is a stays probate as well. I believe. I, yeah, it I is. Prince is probate. Yep. <sighs> um, Christopher asked, "What's the advantage of presenting an offer if you're going to place the property on the MLS?" Well, you, you, um, what's the advantage of presenting an offer? I'm not sure I understand what you're asking, Chris. Um, you know, we submit offers, she gets them. She, she's, what she said was she's giving all the offers to the seller, to her, to her attorneys, to whoever's involved mm -hmm. in the estate. So they see all the offers. She doesn't hide a high one and substitute in her good friend. I think that's what yes. we're saying. You submit them all so they can see everything and, make can them, do for you? and they can be clear that you're, you know, looking out for the best interest. That and why, well, like, maybe the question is because I have investors ask that. Well, you know, because they want a break, and that is not my fiduciary responsibility to give them a break or a leg up or a discount. You know, my fiduciary responsibility is to get the highest, best offer for the property. Right. You know, and so the only thing I do for investors is give you, you know, the first, you know, everybody get in on that first day. I get the listing. You know, I give you all the information before, and you have five or six days before the public has it. And you have time to really check and see because most of my listings tend to have, you know, R2, R3, R4 zonings and things like that. So you can really check and see if you can um, build multiple units. It's always marking my things as the highest and best use. Um, uh, Jasmine has been asked, how do you get probate listings? Now, I think I give a, a 11 different ways you can get probate listings. Class takes an hour and then I do each of the 11 in about an hour. So uh, Jasmine, no, there's a lot of different ways one can get probate listings just like any other listing. I think the thing that I might ask though is, um, you know, obviously Tony, you've earned a reputation with some attorneys. Uh, is there anything that you do marketing wise that's unique to put yourself in position to be hired as a fiduciary so that you can get, you can get that business yourself? Um, I market to, uh, I market to other professional fiduciaries Nice. I market to probate and state planning attorneys. I do calls with state planning attorneys. I joined all the bar, all the um, bar associations. 
and um, market to real, you know, to attorneys. And but what they tend to like about me is the point that I could take over the PR or the trustee part of it because that tends to hold them up when you don't have a professional person who can get who can close an estate out. Because you, you know, you need to be able to find all the financial documentation, you need to be able um, to open the bank accounts up, transfer things, set up federal ID numbers. Um, a lot of the county attacks things, you know, I can look at, a, you know, a, a deceased tax return and figure out all the documentation I need to find and all the bank banks and brokerages I need to call, you know, in order to get this estate closed. So they tend to like, they tend to, you know, the real estate side is like secondary is more the PR side that they want me to do or the trustee side. I also think attorneys uh, look for people who are specialists and you really specialize in a narrower piece of probate than I have, I think in some regard, not that you don't do other listings, but you've really become a specialist with trusts and in particular as a fiduciary, right? That's kind of unique. There are, there's a couple of them aware of, but uh, you really put yourself in that niche in a hard way. Well, there's one thing too um, that you guys may want to think about with trusts and doing trust sales is that um, I don't know if you do this or not, but what I do with my buyers, what I have, when I represent buyers, I tell them, I refer them to three estate planning attorneys, right? And I will tell them to put their, this is the most important investment they have and they need to protect their kids' financial future. And I use a quote from one of my estate planning attorneys who says that, you know, Probate is like filing a civil lawsuit against yourself and your heirs. So no, put stop your a second. You gotta oh. say that one again. Cause I quote this, I think daily now, this quote is so good, you guys. You gotta listen to this one more time. Say that again, Connie, so I can I can pay attention here right. Probate is like filing a civil lawsuit against yourself and your heirs. So get a trust. Yeah. But let me tell you the cool thing about them getting a trust and you telling them to get a trust. I get myself written into the trust to sell the property. So you're creating yourself a future accounts receivable. And as you know, sometimes when you sell that buyer property, they don't use you later on when they're ready to sell the property, either you know because they're using the, the local realtors that has a lot more farming in that area. But when you sell them the property, you, get, you have it put in a trust and you get yourself written into the trust to sell the property. And they don't have to die, by the way. They could be upsizing or downsizing or getting a divorce, but you're really into the trust to be the agent to sell it when they are ready to sell. Do you guys understand That's what I'm talking about with that? Genius. No, I love it. I, I'm just so you create yourself future, you future accounts receivable. And when I'm doing that too, I also tell like, especially with COVID, I had told, um, realtors to call, you know, run title on all their past clients to see if their property's in a trust. If it's not, pick up the phone and you tell them about the civil civil lawsuit they're filing right now with their heirs and explain the importance of a trust and then refer them. And this is how you create relationships with estate planning attorneys and who also do probate too, you know, to get more business for them. And you tell them, you know, and you get yourself written to the trust and you ask them, by the way, what is your parents' address? So let me, I can check and see if their property's in a trust, because most likely the parents are going to die before they do, right? And then you explain to them, you know, what happens when it goes to probate. You know, your parents, you know, go to probate. I mean, you're going to be spending all this unnecessary money that's mandated by the state, you know, to the probate attorney, which could be coming to you guys, you know, and, you know, it takes nine months, to, it could take a lot longer 
to close a probate estate than a trust. I mean, they pass away. It's like a regular sale. It's on the market 30 days. They can close 30 or 60 days later versus a probate, you know, yes. and all your stuff is public knowledge when it goes through probate. You know, the creditors, everyone gets first dibs on the money before the heirs do. The creditors do, you know, the attorneys, the courts, everybody gets first dibs and it's public. <laughs> You know, uh, this is gold, and, and for those of you listening, I, I do the 11 ways to make uh, sales as an agent in probate, and one of them is this, what I call consumer direct living trust business. And what Tanya laid out for you in about two minutes, is a real estate agent uh, or in business uh, who's doing five, 10 deals a year, this is the easiest way to add two or three deals in the next 90 days to six months. If you just did what she said, to recap it, Go through your client list, pull the public records, see those that don't have a trust, encourage them the right one, write yourself in the trust, ask about their parents, get them in a trust. I mean, all of this we could talk about for hours. This is what she does in her business. And so when you ask, how do you get listings? It's a lot of little details like this. It's not a magic wand she pushed that got her the business. It's, it's really one at a time, these relationships that she's built with people. They already like her, they already trust her, their attorney already referred it to them at some level, why not protect their assets? And, you know, I remember I asked Tanya this question and she said, well, who's better to list the property than me? I already sold the house. I know the house, we did the inspections. We, you know, I know the layout, we have the old appraisal. I can look at all that information to start with. It's just genius. So hope you guys pay attention to that or maybe if you're watching it online, go back and re-listen to that because that is just yeah, old. Yeah, let's add to that. Right. So when I'm doing my pitch to the buyer, right, because now you're becoming more of a trusted real estate advisor for them. And you're saying, yes, you know, who else will sell this property at the highest price? I right. went been through the inspections with your help. You find the found the property. Right. I mean, I know everything about this property as well as you do. Right. So you I will be the, the whole... best person to I'll be the best person to sell this property when you're ready to sell. Exactly. That's fantastic. That's gold right there. Just gold. OK. Um, Question from Christopher, how often do you have a problem asset that you can't find a buyer for? I'm sorry? How often or if ever do you have a problem asset that you can't find a buyer for? Hasn't happened. I also, I say I had a client who had a bunch of land, about 30 lots, and two or three were literally worthless that, that we couldn't, you know, you can't give them away uh, without somebody accepting them. And so we literally got a buyer on one property to accept two other properties along with it just to get them off our, my client's hands through the yeah. process. So, um, okay, well, good for you. Um, Cause if we can't sell it, you just have to sit, you know, sit on it and rent it out until it's ready to be sold or, you know, but so far, no, that hasn't happened yet, especially here in the LA area. Do you ever see promissory notes that go into probate for disposition? Yes. I mean, um, I've sold businesses and business interests in probate, but you know, I, you know, I sold businesses. And so, yeah, promissory notes is part of probate, you know, and we have to negotiate because it depends on, because basically it depends on what assets you have that you can sell, you know, even collections. When we sell as a PR, I have to sell every asset, you know, in order so, to close the, in, to, in order to pay debtors off, you know, cause the debt, you know, the creditors get paid first then before I can give any money to the, um, and the probate attorneys before I can give money to the heirs. So I have to find the money somewhere in order to liquidate that estate. And sometimes it's easy to sell some of the personal property. I've seen uh, probate selling antiques, collectibles, yep. 
Uh, yep. Guns is a big one. Oh, you know, we well, guns is have to be careful, but yeah, no, I have to sell everything. I mean, do estate sales, garage sales, depending on what area is at, everything, clean it out, a full yeah. concierge service. Yeah, 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 very good. The same thing, very good. So again, we're kind of we're similar, but a little different angle. Maybe you're a little higher income side on this, and I'm doing more probate, which tends to be a little lower. Uh -huh, right, like, right, lower. whatever, Mr. Girls. <laughs> <laughs> As bougie as you are, Tiny. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I had the whole fancy office thing going on there and all that. Um, what kind of marketing or scripts do you have in order to get probate leads? And I'll just put a quick plug in that, you know, I don't sell coaching. We're not selling anything here today. We're not going to push you anything. There's nothing that I get in referral fee on. I, will, I do recommend, though, alltheleads.com if you're a realtor or investor. When you get into probate, they have a great website with a lot of material on it. They have a great YouTube channel, and they also have on there uh, role plays and masterminds. They do every week for an hour masterminds, every month a role play for an hour. And they're all on their YouTube channel and on their website. Tony, do you have any particular place you send people who are interested in getting into the probate space? Where, where can they get sales resources like scripts and dialogues and training and that it's kind of thing? Exactly what you said. That's a, that's a great place to go. I do tell them also to, it'd be helpful for them to get the um, certification through California Association of Realtors. Yeah. I mean, that Paul really um, is a character and he really takes you through the probate side of it and he gives you a little bit about the trust. So yeah, all leads, that website's great. And then also, you know, I say get the certification. Yeah, I think it's, I think the value isn't the certification, it's the knowledge. I think Paul does right. a great job explaining the probate process the timeline, the key vocabulary, that I don't think the stamp is worth much, but I think when you learn it, I think he did it's a great right. job laying it out. It's the, it's the vocabulary, because you need to understand yeah. the vocabulary, you need to understand the timelines, especially if you're going to speak to an attorney. If you want to get you know referrals from attorneys, you got to gotta know that you understand probate. Exactly. Um, got a question, uh, what's the best advice for a first-time home buyer to get a multi-unit out of probate? Uh, Chris, I'll say this, having done some, I'd love to hear your answer, Tanya, as well. Mine is, you know, probate is a place for, in my experience, more seasoned investors, not yeah. a great place for a first time investor, because you're really buying the property with very little contingency and typically little time for inspections. And so you have to really know- what And no disclosures. Into, and no, and disclosures. no disclosures. So generally it's not the best place for a first time buyer uh, in probate. It, what, I, what I tell people is if you find a great deal and there's a title issue, bring it to me, oftentimes, the solutions probate. And so what happens is I'll find a first time investor, will find a property, the grandson's in it, grandma and grandpa died, left it to kids, kids have all died. The grandson is the heir, but he doesn't have his paperwork together. And I can help him get through the paperwork, maybe using uh, Tiny as a fiduciary or referring it to yeah. an attorney or a service. That's where we can help a first time investor. So I think rather than say, I'm gonna prospect every day in probate as a first time buyer, I would say, if you find a property that has a probate, call me, text me, email me, or Tiny, get somebody can give you some good advice on what to do. Uh, make sure you get that you'll get yourself any kind of trouble or make sure it's a good opportunity. What do you think, Tony? What would you say to a first-time investor? No, I agree with you. I mean, unfortunately, some people think that probates are the best, you know, you can get a major discount on it, but not necessarily. It really depends on who's representing the estate and how many siblings, how many kids and heirs are involved because that fiduciary or that PR is on a lot of pressure to make sure they can get the most money as possible since they have to pay out so much in probate and court fees. So it's not always the best deal. Yeah. 
Um, Jim asks, um, contrasting PRs and administrators, who's more motivated? It's been said that if a property is in a living trust, perhaps for the spouse in the household, uh, they're inclined to keep the house. Well, of course, you know, husband, wife, one spouse dies, more commonly, they'll keep the property, though sometimes I've sold houses where the widow wants to move on and I had one who wanted to move to Arizona to be with her sister or whatever. Um, so uh, certainly if everybody's dead, more likely to sell, but not guaranteed. If one's still in the property, still somewhat. And trust in general, uh, hard to say if there's a spouse still there, um, oftentimes they don't want to sell the property. So I don't know there's there's no real fixed answer there. It's all kind of odds, I think, as you're, as you're looking at business. Well, the fixed answer could be make sure that you're written into their trust. <laughs> So right. that you can sell the property because I've had it where the one spouse passed away and I'm in the trust and the wife calls me up saying, OK, I'm going to go ahead and sell the property and move back to where the rest of my family's at. And she's and I got the call because I was written into the trust to sell it. So I'm getting all kinds of uh, shout outs to you, Tony, that I'm not <laughs> you got a lot, a lot of fans on the call here today. Go ahead on, sister. She's dropping bars. OK, she's doing great. Uh, <laughs> Her contact info is in the chat box, and then we'll put that on our social media as well. But Tony, you got, you got a lot of fans, a lot of friends here. So uh, um, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a, it, I, I knew I picked my picture. This was going to be a good one. Okay. Um, uh, Renee asks if the spouse's name's not in the house, good question, though, 100%. Sure. So um, in California, there's a process. Sometimes there'll be um, a trust, but the property's not in the trust or the husband has the property and maybe it is, he's married, maybe he's single and gets married. And then there's an argument to be made that the wife is entitled to some or all of the, of the property. And there's a lawsuit filed, right? And so those are various court matters uh, that, you know, we're not here to talk about the legal uh, decisions, but do you find yourself in those situations where people are litigating and then they need to, they want to sell the property, whether they, they how they divide the cash is really their argument. And then you're the temporary administrator, I guess, to sell the property. Does that come up in your in your business? Um, well, not that necessarily, because that would be the attorney will deal with that. The only time I would be brought in is to be the listing agent on it, right. you know, or like in one case, yes, actually, actually, there is one that's coming up right now that mm -hmm. they're thinking about bringing me on as both. It's the stepmother. <laughs> and then the kids from another marriage. And yes, he has... Um, three triplexes that he had before he married the, the stepmother and she's not on any of those properties but she is and then they have one property that she lives in <laughs> but she's not on that either but her yeah so it's gonna be i have to help negotiate all that because you know yeah that's gonna be interesting but yes in that case there yeah that's yeah that's was not smart <laughs> of the wife not to get herself in there but that is not our place we're not their attorneys. These can be complicated. You know, Regina yeah. asks also, a uh, home doesn't go to probate as long as one spouse is still living, correct? Maybe if yes, they're, no. it, yeah, it depends on how it's deeded. Correct. Like in this case here, you know, is his, it was his separate property before they got married. Right. And, and oftentimes you'll see, um, you know, uh, uh, Bob and Mary Smith uh, as tenants in common. And they do oh, that yeah. because maybe one of them or both of them had prior marriages yep. and they want the, the value to stay in their separate estates to pass on to their separate children. I had that happen. My mother yeah. was widowed and remarried uh, in her trust. She wanted her share of the assets to go to her family and 
my stepfather wanted the, his assets to go to his family. Makes sense. Of course, you would leave things to your natural children, maybe. I don't know. It's Everybody's a little different, but so it depends on how they have title. And then there are cases where tenants in common is specified. In some cases, like Tanya said, maybe he owned his, his soul and separate, and they get married and just buy it as Bob and Mary Smith, husband and wife, don't specify. So another question is, well, you know, it was his own. Now, is it still his own? Did he move it into community property? That's why you have attorneys. That's why you have That's where attorneys come in. <laughs> judges, and it's never good. There's no good answer to that one. It's going to cost you some money. So, um, so the answer is there's no 100%. And uh, best thing to do is clarify what you want in writing in the proper channel, which is really a living trust. That way there's no real um, dis, uh, um, disagreement. Um, Regina asked for the alltheleads.com website. I put that in the website, in the chat notes, but it's alltheleads.com. Uh, Chuck, you took the car probate course and said it was a great instructor, so you enjoyed that. And I think, um, I might talk to Paul all the time. He's a fantastic probate teacher. Now, the, I don't think I'm insulting him. I've said this to him directly. He's not the world's best uh, expert on marketing for realtors how to get probate business. That's not his right. business, right? So right. The, you're left with the knowledge, but you're not, and you're left with some good tools. His service, I think, is really good. His database program is really good for the money, but it's not going to get you business. You have to find a way to get there. So just be careful that you don't kind of oversell yourself and what you're getting into. Uh, Renee asks, it's Paul Horn, H-O-R-N. Chuck, you want to say something? Yeah, yeah. I found the information incredibly good as far as you're right, as far as, okay, now that I've passed this test with with high numbers, what do I do now? Right. So I'm what I'm doing is I'm starting to send out those those attorney type letters. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, well, also I say go back to your clients. I could say go yeah. look at your database and run title or all your past clients yeah. and see which one well. who doesn't have their stuff in a trust. Yeah, which is most of them. So yeah. I, so I'm, that I'm gonna I'm gonna do that as well. Thank you very much for that idea. Sure. And Chuck, you're you're calling my next peak, correct? I'm sorry? You're with the XP as well? Yes. You and I chatted in the workplace. And what do you present elect what do you present elect of? Uh Santa Clarita, uh, let me say it correctly, since Women's Council of Realtors, Santa Clarita Valley Network. Oh, that's right, Chuck. I saw you at Network 360. If Tony says yeah. that's correct, it's correct. If Tony gives you the buzzer, you're in big trouble. That's right. We took a picture together. That's right. Yeah. That's it. Uh-huh. Nice. Okay, good. Well, thank you for your service to the community and to our to our profession. Uh, Renee asked a, a great question, which is, she's a new licensee. Uh, how did Tani start out? And any advice would be appreciated. Start out with the As probate? A realtor, newly licensed realtor. What would, what oh, would you start yeah. I just, because I had the accounting business, I just got my business from my clients and their employees and things like that. So to me, I always believe start at the, you know, what is it? The, um, your sphere influence, you know, the whole world with the sphere influence and stuff. So I was blessed to, you know, because I deal with their finances, it's easy for them to trust me with giving them real estate advice. Yeah. And, and Renee, I coach a lot of new agents. I coach a lot of agents who are rebooting their business. Like I did a couple of years ago. And the first thing to do is, is do an assessment of your assets. What are they? And you know, who do you know? Tani as a accountant knew a lot of people but she knew some professionals that she was able to leverage in a real estate business. And you know somebody, who is it that you know, get that list together and analyze it and think about what value can you create for that group of people. 
uh, I'd be glad to. I do um, offer free uh, um, coaching or, or mentorship for a one-time phone call. Feel free to reach out to me. If you want to Zoom with Bill G com zoom with bill.g.com i'd be glad to talk to you and, and find out what you're working on and give you some some direction if i can help in that regard okay we just powered through uh do you have a list of trust attorneys you can share um no i i don't think ties will give her give you her list of clients but i would say jasmine you can go into google search in your area yep. trust attorney that will show up and start giving them calls yeah and another but one before you give them calls though go through your Go through your database of clients, yeah. okay, and see who doesn't have a trust. Because if you want to get on the phone with these attorneys and have them take your call and go for a quick coffee, it's kind of easier when you go bring them clients. Right. Yeah, Jasmine, I think I, I think we've met, and I would say we, we don't want to cold call attorneys ask them for business. Much better to bring them some business, and then you're going to develop a relationship with them, a professional yeah. relationship. We as realtors, if you've been in business for a while have past clients that need their service and we want to find those and try to bring them to them so for sure um i would i would try to go that way um uh can i give you the website for one-on-one -on -one mentorship yes go to uh, zoom with bill my name g.com zoom with bill g.com and that will go right in my calendar set an appointment with you i'm particularly booked up in the month of september i have i'm jewish i have uh, seven working days and i'm I'm dark because of the holidays. So I'm a little book there. So be patient with me uh, during this month. But in general, I'm available. I'll do my best to make myself available for anybody who needs some counseling or some one-on-one -on -one support. Um, wow, we powered through a bunch of questions. At one point, I had like 15 backlogged. Um, anybody on the line have a question for Tani? We, again, she's a fiduciary, which is a unique opportunity for you to talk to somebody who you might be bringing offers to as a listing agent. And the flip side, she's obviously built a great business as a listing agent, anybody have any questions for her that you'd like to help wrap up her phone call with? Oh, I should say we do for the question of the week. I offer a free probate weekly coffee mug. These are very desirable. They're very collectible, hard to get, worth millions of dollars. So I'm going to ask Tony what the best question of the week was, and then we'll send whoever has the best question of the week uh, a free probate weekly coffee mug. Anybody have any last questions here for Tony before we let her go? She's a busy lady. I don't know about you, but I see her on social media. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I see her. She's so going to Chicago. I. She's with her mom. She's with her brother. I don't know, Tony. I get tired of watching your life going on. And I know all these organizations you're involved with and you're selling houses, listing houses. Uh, so you got a chance to talk to a superstar here. Um, here's a good, I like this question. Rochelle asks, um, uh, what's the best part about your job? I like educating. I mean, I like I always a tagline I like to use is educated realtor. So I'm really passionate about education because I think that the more educated realtor is, the better that we can provide services to our clients in the community and it raises our profile, you know, because right now, as you know, people think that we're just greedy and about the commission. So I really love sharing information and, you know, and provide as much education as possible to realtors and to my clients. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. I, and I, then I, and that's what you do when you get on the phone with them. When you have that phone call, when you realize their stuff's not a trust, you're going to provide them with education on how to protect their family's future and, and their greatest asset, which is their real estate property. You know, I, I, that's why I liked right from the beginning. I saw you do a couple of webinars through, I think it was local board or the local MLS or something. I saw you do a couple 
uh, with an attorney, with an accountant, I think. And I thought, wow, I'd love to work with somebody like that. And I'm privileged today to be able to work with you and consider you, uh, in addition to a fellow Trojan, and in addition to being a colleague, to consider you as a friend. So thank you for your service to our industry and to our community through your real estate uh, services and your real estate knowledge. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So, okay, we're going to wrap up with that. Um, if you want to, see, I also interviewed Tani 101. Uh, if you go to the YouTube channel, which is uh, Bill Gross EXP, you'll find the interview with Tani and other related probate interviews and some wholesalers that I've interviewed recently for another series I'm working on. So uh, hopefully that's informative as well. We do this call every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's available at, at probateweeklyepisodes.com or on uh, uh, YouTube and all the other channels. And then Tuesdays, I do realestateinvestingzoom.com, Tuesday at 3 p.m., where we talk about real estate investors and flipping and wholesaling and things like that. So I uh, hope you learned something today about probate. If I can help, call me, text me, email me. If Tanya can help, her information is in the chat box or be in the social media. Again, last time, Tanya, thank you so much. Have thank a great week, everybody, me. and I really appreciate your help.